This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. You need to understand your product. You need to understand your customer. You need to work with your product team and with the customer feedback very closely. And then when you kind of tailor that all together into the uh, successful UA campaign where, uh, where it will target the right user at the right time, of course, those are all loud words, but still, this is where a kind of magic happens. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm uh, your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm a VP Marketing here at Stormiven, and I'm really excited to have today with me Alexei Gusev. He's Lead Performance Marketing at Good Game Studio. Hey, Alexei. Hey, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. It's a pleasure. Um, so do you want to introduce yourself uh, for a bit? Yeah, sounds good. So I'm Alexei Gusev. Uh, as you have announced, Lead Performance Marketing at GGS. Uh, I come from Russia. You kind of might might hear that from my accent as well, or hope not. I don't know. Um, um, so yeah, a little bit about myself. I kind of started doubling in online marketing uh, back in Russia when there was not much of a mobile marketing at the time, but I kind of was already interested and it was more e-com focused and uh, like search engine optimization and so on and so forth. Um, after that, uh, we, me and my wife, we have moved to Germany for studies and for master studies. And then I have joined Otto as an online marketing manager, also working uh, there, partially like managing the agencies, uh, working uh, for the online marketing user acquisition and uh, working on the product side as well. So uh, web page optimization and the rest. Then I have uh, joined Inner Games, so the mobile gaming company, um, and worked at Ad Networks department, which was taken care of video, DSP network, whatever you might call them, as well as the native networks, so Tabula's outbrains of this world. Um, then worked on paid social for quite some time. And uh, in the beginning of the last year, I joined GGS uh, to work. Uh, yeah, to work on the on, on their portfolio of the games as well. Awesome. Can you can you tell us a bit more about uh, Good Game? Uh, what type of games are you guys developing and marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it's actually quite interesting to describe what I'm doing at the moment at Good Games. Uh, first of all, the Good Games itself is the publisher and developer of mobile and browser games itself. So it might be familiar for such by such titles as Big Farm Mobile Harvest, Imperia Four Kingdoms, uh, and many others. Um, simultaneously, we are also part of the Steelfront group. So me and my team are taking care of the marketing for games, not only for the internal studio, but 
act in some kind of like a marketing agency for the games from the Steelfront group, uh, working uh, with a rather wide portfolio of the games from casual mid-core to hardcore strategies. Awesome. So there's no uh, hyper-casual uh, items happening. There is no hyper-casual in the mix at the moment. Awesome. Cool. So today we want to do a quick uh, like state of the u- of, of user acquisition uh, in early 2022. Um, it's been, I would say, um, 10 months, nine months since Apple uh, has uh, started to enforce uh, the, the deprecation of the IDFA and the ATT framework and uh, kind of broke attribution, uh, at least in the traditional way that attribution is done. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how things are at the moment. So first topic I want to tackle is, um, and it relates to you guys because the type of games that you're marketing have long-term monetization uh, kind of dynamics, like folks are monetizing over time through in-app purchases, I assume. So um, I guess before that, you the, the way that you ran user acquisition is that you fed all different monetization events to networks such as Facebook uh, and others to build lookalike audiences uh, that were extremely high quality, and uh, and and that's how you found your audiences. Um, how user acquisition is is working right now for such games with with these long term monetization profiles, where you're after these quality users and not just uh, you know more eyeballs uh, like a hyper casual game, for example. Yeah, got it. Um... Yeah, I still have it marked in my calendar, 26th of April, 2021. Like, I will <laughs> never forget the date. <laughs> I will tattoo it on my hand uh, next to this. You can't, you can't see my real tattoo, but uh, I showed my tattoo here. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so as you have uh, already noted, like previously how it was done, that we have fed uh, very sophisticated algorithms of Facebook, Snapchat, paid social, DSP networks uh, back with the purchases, back with the values, and that have helped uh, to optimize uh, towards the valuable users that we are looking for. Since the ATT rollout, unfortunately, we don't have the transparency of the data anymore, or, or we don't have the transparency of the data to the same extent or on the same level. Yeah, of course, there is a certain percentage of the IDFA users that still opt in, and we still get them especially when you're running them on the higher levels. But for us, pretty much early on, that was the decision to double down on the scan and to try to understand it, to be um, a bit earlier on the market, to try to run proper campaigns uh, that are scan-focused. Um, and it's, uh, at, the, at the time or at the moment, it kind of run with its ups and downs, I would say, first of all, because of, the fact that the industry was def- even at the time, given the fact that what like by the end of April, that was quite some time since Apple has has been talking about that without many details though. But the industry definitely wasn't ready. Um, like Facebook algorithms were not prepared to take such a hit in terms of losing data. All the other uh, paid social networks uh, took bigger or lesser hit as well for the ad networks that was lesser an extent because the probabilistic which is still existing. Um, anyhow, um, what we given the fact that our games are 
monetizing usually closer to the day seven, or at least some of the games in our portfolio, we wanted to understand what kind of channels, even if not optimizing towards them, because uh, at the moment, for example, Facebook optimizes only towards the 24 hours of data on scan. So it, even if you have the conversion values up to, or conversion schema up to the seventh day, it doesn't really take in this information whatsoever uh, for the optimization that is. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, uh, what do you think about folks uh, that are saying that you can find like a really early on event that is like a proxy for, you know, decent revenues or, or like LTV basically? Did you had any success with uh, like finding like these kind of events early on in the first 24 hours? Yeah, even even before the ATT, we were running rather extensive experiments in terms of the finding the proxy events. Unfortunately, what all those events or what all those tests have found that the best proxy for the purchase is unfortunately purchase. And we have tried, I don't know, certain levels uh, post which majority of the users kind of do convert towards payers. At least there is correlation uh, between or high level of correlation. Uh, between those events, we tried App Shop opens, but for example, on the App Shop open, um, algorithms are very smart. If you if you feed the data on the App Shop open, this is exactly what you're gonna get. So we were like, after some time, given the fact that it was not a standardized event on Facebook, uh, we in the beginning we have seen a good positive effect of that. But after some time, when the algorithm had learned, we have started to observe that there rec to pay so registration to uh, like to be in converted to pay a ratio has dropped quite substantially because algorithm was bringing exactly the users that were opening the shop and never coming back to that or never converting yeah that's what what's that that's what you asked for i can imagine facebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's what that's you fit in the data for that you get what you want yeah um but i i kind of keep on hearing of some successful cases at least from the account managers themselves. And they're kind of motivating us to test that. But at the moment, uh, we were not able to find the, the successful event that is better in terms, or at least on a rather similar level in determining the uh, purchase intent of the user better than the purchase itself. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nuts. Like if, <laughs> if you think about it, because everybody is saying the same thing, like the, the account managers on the, on the ad network site, Facebook and whatever, um, are saying, yeah, there are some folks that are really successful with it. Like, go do this as well. But they're just saying it again and again. And I never heard uh, anyone being success- successful with it, at least at scale. Like, I heard about some experiments that worked at, like, a really low scale. But uh, it's clear why they're saying that. <laughs> Nobody ever seen those folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. Um, so coming back to the scan topic uh, originally, um, so we have experimented quite heavily on on what works, what not. And I'd say at the moment we have rather a fleshed out uh, approach to that. And there is also quite a lot of infrastructure around that. First of all, um, in terms of the scan itself, I'd say 63 conversion values doesn't sound like much, but you can actually do quite a lot of, or surprisingly quite a lot of with that. Um, as in um, one of the smaller hacks that we've done with, with one of the strategy genres, like, first of all, you're interested to get or to retain as many users as possible and lead them towards the seventh day, because majority of the high value purchases for us 
for this game were happening towards the seventh day. Um, that's why we have introduced a certain heartbeat event that is fired rather regularly and is being updated uh, like 30 minutes, one hour, two hours, five hours, 14, and so on. Um, and that kind of keeps the the ticker or the the timer going and updated uh, every time that the user basically plays or does something in the game. Um, on top of that, we have subdivided the the revenue buckets or figured out a certain revenue buckets just not even to understand or not to be able to optimize towards the value successfully, more so to understand whether we got the high-paying user or low-paying user or mid-tier user. And because usually that's the best indication of whether the partner uh, or the channel is profitable for us or not. And with that, we are a able to measure proper retention because the heartbeat is indicative of how user is logging in or logging out of the game. B, we're able to generate like decent volume of the purchase information. And C, we also have, we didn't lose the revenue um, event information. Um, there is obviously a downside to that, unfortunately. Um, in terms of the technical integration, scan was rather pain in the ass, if you don't mind me saying that, for our developers, because uh, it is um, not as straightforward to understand that the whole logic of that, uh, how it works. So that's why we kind of had to work very closely with them on the product uh, um, and on those values and uh, benchmark them again and again to make sure that it actually is working. To be completely transparent, that wasn't a process of even one, two weeks. It's closer to one month, one and a half months to completely flesh out what we what we have for every game. Got it. And and getting that uh, that level of data back, are you what what's the success you've been seeing with uh, Facebook and, and these type of like the self attributing networks uh, after you implemented that? Is it? Uh... Yeah. Um, so there are again the the answer to that is not that simple. What we have observed that not only something is happening on the scan side, something is happening on the um, on the partner sites. On the example, let's say you take TikTok, Facebook as one of the bigger uh, paid social networks there. So TikTok for us was definitely very, one of the best performing early channels. So I think uh, app event optimization on scan, that was the best partner that was scalable and it kind of has lasted very long. At the moment, we're seeing that the Facebook and the change First change was somewhere in the end of September. The second change was definitely at the end of November, um, and we have observed it also by the by the spikes in the in the uh, privacy thresholds uh, in the volume of installs that have passed the privacy threshold on the scan side. Uh, there, you can see that something is going on. That the partner is kind of readjusting the campaign and. Uh, I guess to no one is going to be the secret that for Facebook, they're trying to, they are kind of stacking together several scan campaigns, scan IDs, and kind of that's why you can get a bit more information out of those campaigns. And that's mm -hmm. why you get the asset information and so on, so on and so forth. So what we have observed that uh, since end of November, uh, beginning of December, 
performance for Facebook definitely have improved quite drastically. So at the moment, we're still experimenting heavily which partner does what in terms of the SRNs. Uh, but there is a great development of that. And at the moment, uh, the performance that we are observing there is better than the even the probabilistic that has been rather smooth and stable uh, previously. Oh, that's uh, impressive. Amazing. And and at that time, like when you identified that Facebook performance have dropped like uh, several months back, um, what was your strategy around uh, expanding beyond uh, beyond these channels? Yeah, at this point of time, and there are let's let's approach this in the following way. Um, there were games that have had an established portfolio of the partners. I would say that they were affected to some extent, less to a lesser extent. As in, yes, we had to phase out uh, or decrease the ad spend on SRNs rather substantially. But simultaneously, we had uh, partners that were able to run probabilistic uh, with a fleshed out, polished portfolio of publishers with a good uh, performance history data. So those were relatively fine um, in terms of the uh, ROI uh, performance. For the newer games, that was a bit more complicated, um, unfortunately, and it was definitely a trial and error process. And we had to go rather wide in terms of uh, in terms of the partner launches to like a bit more than not a bit more, but more than what we are used to. I don't know for the regular game launch, depending on how you structure, you start with Facebook, at Google, at Ad Network. Uh, and then you kind of add all the other paid social networks or all the other ad networks uh, and whatever other channels there is. But basically, you're covering the core ones. At the moment, what we are observing that even between the like probabilistic SDK networks, there are huge difference in terms of the performance for every uh, new uh, new launched game. And it takes like the competition is definitely higher. It takes a bit longer to get to the performance that you are seeing. Um, yeah wasn't i think this is going to be more or less the silver line of all the talks like online marketing isn't become unfortunately despite all automatization all the algorithms and everything online marketing is not becoming easier it's becoming more competitive yeah there are there are good approaches yes there is definitely revenue yes there is definitely users on there but uh to get to that golden nugget to that pocket of performance, um, it's not unfortunately as straightforward, straightforward as it used to be. And you need to keep on testing, uh, maybe dedicating a bit longer time to the partner in order to make sure that you don't leave any stone unturned. Um, make sure that you also question the best practices sometimes, because this is where it could be uh, could be lined for you. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way that I see it is... But basically, Facebook and I mean, we all know that they at least intend to somehow solve the the, the targeting problem that they have currently because they lost uh, like the most valuable user level data uh, that they that any ad network ever had. Uh, but we know that they intend to solve it over, and it's going to be a long process. I think in in their last earning call, they said uh, um, it's going to take about two years. That that's what they estimate in order to solve. Uh, uh, to get back good targeting capabilities. But um, thinking about all the, the probabilistic uh, uh, networks, a lot of the work that's being done there by UA teams and marketing teams uh, around the world is really 
I call it sub-publisher optimization in the sense of identify where their um, their high quality audience is, like which actual genres and type of other games they come from, and then doing the work that you know, you know before ad networks did because they had all this user level data so they could um, find users when, wherever they are and give you like a stream of high quality users. But now you have to actually tell ad networks, where are the, 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 the high quality users for you? And so far, when probabilistic attribution is, is still happening, and we all know that it's not a viable long-term solution because Apple has wrote it very clearly, black uh, over white, that, it's, uh, that they ban it. Now, the, all eyes are now on when are they going to start to enforce it, but uh, probabilistic attribution isn't a viable uh, you know, solution for all of these networks uh, uh, long term. So when they would basically fly blind, uh, UA teams would have to tell them where do they want to advertise, where they want to get uh, users from. And the and I see you know across the industry some teams doing this type of work of actually drilling down to understand where the, the, their top audiences are coming from. And the results are pretty good. Like they are able to identify, um, as you call it, these pockets of, of gold, basically of where their high quality users are usually coming from, and direct their UA spend towards uh, these genres. Um, so that's that. That's something uh, pretty interesting there. Um, what do you, so basically these days? What are you guys measuring your campaigns based on? I mean, is it? Solely SK ad network uh, conversion values and, and verified installs. Is it um, something else? Do you rely on MMP data? Um, yeah, it's a mix. It's it's a mix of things. To be honest, uh, basically, uh, what we were doing until rather recently is looking first of all on the all-in performance. So the EROI uh, for all of the marketing channels taken together with the organic, um, because that's the only, let's say, true data that we had at the moment. And we knew that if we are able to hit certain performance on day 7, day 30, then we're pretty much safe and our campaigns are profitable, which was rather fine. But then when we're going to the, like, which, actual, which partner, how to optimize uh, all those details, it was a bit more complicated. So at the moment, we were going majorly by the scan network uh, data, and we built a special dashboard for that that also was able to extrapolate like from the day one to day seven for, for some of the games with the high volumes of data. Um, at the moment, though, um, there are other interesting solutions that, for example, AppSware is offering. Like They have released this single source. I, not sure if they have already made it open public. Anyhow, there is the single source of truth solution. Not sure if you heard about it or not, but it's essentially the duplication between the IDFA and the scan uh, network users um, that is uh, available at the moment on the like on the twenty four hours, like within the context of the conversion studio that they have in uh, that is up to seventy two two hours, as far as I know, and that was definitely handy way how to tackle the issues that we had of both combining the IDFA and non-IDFA opted-in traffic. So whatever we are receiving from the scan, whatever we are receiving for 
SRNs from the opted-in users, also comparing those channels to the probabilistic. Um, that was a definitely nice development uh, in terms of what we have observed. And yeah, so at the moment, cut to kind of cut long story short, uh, at the moment we're um, observing the still overall EROI because that's that's our own data and this is what ultimately we're sticking to. But when we are making the partner decisions, partner budget allocation decisions, um, we are looking quite a lot on the um, MMP data from the SSOT, and we are also trying to combine that with with the learnings that we have internally for those products at the moment. Awesome, yeah. I think that it's um, like looking at, at basically that truth, as you, as you call it, like uh, the, the blended ROI of all marketing channels, all. Uh, everything together and understand if it's profitable or not. That's like where that's where you start. It's basically it's like a synonym for you know how marketing was done all the you know through decades. Like and uh, given that we had such a deterministic way of uh, attributing revenues to sources up until now, uh, until uh, uh, April at least, we you know the industry got used to to that type of measurement, but. Uh, but there's nothing really wrong at looking at, at things holistically and getting uh, signals and signs that at least drive you in the right direction, even if it's not like uh, the you know most accurate uh, I don't know twenty six point thirty seven percent ROAS that that's totally okay and I think more people are getting used to that uh, uh, as time goes by. Um, yeah, so th- there's one last thing that I, I'm. I'm interested if, uh, what are your thoughts about it? Like this is custom product pages. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Apple basically released uh, custom product pages about uh, towards the end of December. Uh, and custom product pages allow you to create up to 35 um, variants of your uh, default product page with different screenshots, different creatives. Um, and uh, with that, they also updated App Store Connect data which is a, a data source that uh, people are starting to look at more and more. Um, and they allow you now to filter the data that you see there, including sales data that is cohorted, by the way. So you can see uh, cohorted sales data at a custom product page level. So what that means is that if you're in uh, UA and you run a campaign and you send it to a specific custom product page that you know is getting traffic only from that uh, campaign, there's no other way for users to get to this page besides tapping on the ad uh, and getting with the link that we set up, um, you would see the, the revenues over time coming in from that campaign. And then basically you can calculate return on ad spend in an aggregated and, and privacy first type of way. Um, and of course, there's the value of basically matching the creatives on the product page to the creatives at, on the ad level and create these holistic experiences that can significantly increase conversion rates. Uh, what are your thoughts about, about this? Apple is bringing back some more uh, tools to allow marketers to maybe, you know, some some people I talked with called it, uh, Apple is trying to become their own MMP. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah to be honest, I kind of like with the scan release and with the CPP uh, release, it kind of does feel that they are trying to go exactly the direction of becoming the MMP for all all things Apple. 
and kind of let us trust uh, their data completely or rely on that. However, I still think that given more instruments, given more opportunities for the marketers, is definitely some steps in the right uh, direction. And um, it gives us just a bit more opportunity, as you have uh, mentioned, uh, to optimize the funnel um, for every channel, for every user in a bit better way. Um, as in, it, it is rather obvious that the users that we're getting from the paid social and the users that we are getting from the SDK networks, that we the users that we're getting from the native, they're a, di a different kinds of one. And if we're able to subdivide that and uh, run every type of traffic through their own custom product page, um, also optimize the onboarding experience there is definitely beneficial. At the moment, we are making... Given the fact that the release was not that long ago, we are making our first steps to that uh, with some early successes, I would say. Um, but still, it's a bit early to to call it um, a, a groundbreaking success or that this feature has changed uh, the way that we are acquiring the users for, for the um, iOS at the moment. However, it definitely has all those qualities to, to improve the the quality of life for us as the marketers definitely and kind of bringing bringing the ASO part and the user acquisition part maybe even closer together than it was before yeah for sure what one of the most and first of all um taking a step back here i think that as with any apple feature it, it'll take time really be adopted and you know um we all now think about sk ad network as as like before it went out people thought Oh yeah, there's SK Ad Network. It's going to solve everything, and and we're still we're almost a year after that, and and it's still, uh, you know, a lot of people. As you said, it's like a nightmare to work with. Sometimes the data doesn't come back. There's partial data. The privacy threshold that, uh, keeps on changing. Uh, so I think as with any feature, they're releasing it and they're going to iterate on it, and and eventually it's going to be, um, it's going to uh, realize its potential and, and live up to the promise. Um, but, um, one of the most beautiful things that is happening with custom product pages is actually, as you said, really bringing in ASO and UA together even more because, uh, what I noticed that is happening is that in, in most companies is that the ASO team that is responsible for improving conversion rate on the, on the product page side is holding a lot of data about how different audiences are uh, responding to different messages. They've been doing that for years. They've been testing uh, in, in various ways. They've been testing on the Google side with Google experiments. They've been testing with tools such as Stormhaven and learning about uh, how how different audiences re uh, respond to different messaging. Uh, so they have all this information. And on the UA side, like UA folks are starting to say, hey, the product page is a part of my campaign. Like, why shouldn't I? I mean, I'm running a, a, an ad creative about, I don't know, the, the theme is around uh, if I'm in a social uh, casino and um marketing a slots game. So there's like big win type of uh, messaging on, on an ad creative. So why shouldn't the, the, the product page speak about that? Or if I'm uh, marketing with a specific IP, a specific character on the ad creative, why shouldn't they use that ad character in the product page? So they're requesting uh, to use custom product page to, you know, to improve the return on ad spend. And, uh, and then it, it starts to like in most companies, they just start to work together on these custom product pages instead of just, uh, uh, having it, uh, in silos or as it was before. 
So that's something that I think is really beautiful that is happening uh, as a result of, of this release. But as you said, there's still some, uh, we still need to wait a bit uh, until everybody uh, adopts it. So far, there's, um, I believe, three ad networks that adopted it. And, and the most recent one was actually Apple Search Ads. Uh, so over the next few months, we'll see more and more of that uh, adoption takes place. Um, cool. So we're about to run out of time. I do want to ask you a few questions that we ask all of our guests. So first one, uh, if you could give just one tip to somebody that is aspiring to be, uh, to get into UA or progress in, in their UA career, um, thinking about everything that happened over the course of the last year or two, uh, what would it be? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'd say that I, I, I will mention that there is no silver bullet or there is no single right way of doing things in marketing and testing, testing and testing, understanding your product is very important. So you need to understand your product. You need to understand your customer. You need to work with your product team and with the customer feedback very closely. And then when you kind of tailor that all together into the uh, successful UA campaign where, uh, where it will, um, target the right user at the right time. Of course, those are all loud words, but still, um, this is where it kind of magic happens. This is where the spark happens. And then you will definitely see that on the, on the results that you are getting from those campaigns. Awesome. So, um, yeah, just don't rely on the ready-made solutions. Love that. Um, what's your favorite mobile growth resource? Like a lot of people give, uh, content recommendations here. Um, so somebody that you follow, uh, a blog that you read, um, stuff like that. Like for the last half a year, I think two resources were kind of my main go-to uh, go ones in terms of getting the information. It's definitely MDM. So my mobile dev memo, big fan of uh, Eric Zoyfert uh, and the Slack channel. You definitely can get a lot of very useful information from your peers there. And the second, of all, uh, second, I think uh, Liftoff is doing a very good thing with the mobile heroes at the moment, also Slack channel. Also quite a lot of interesting formats. Like I'm a big fan of their smaller uh, lunches, for example, where you can just uh, discuss whatever topics with, with the peers from the industry, uh, like in a smaller circle of like 10, 15 people. Definitely mm. had awesome. very interesting conversation in the last uh, six months over there. Awesome. And uh, given that this podcast name is Mobile Growth and Pancakes, uh, what's your favorite flavor of pancake? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, two answers to that. If we're talking about the traditional American style pancakes, it's going to be a banana chocolate chip and peanuts paste. Nice. It's it's definitely like ticks uh, like ticks all the boxes for me. The other one, given the fact that I'm coming from Russia and like there are Rus- Russian types of pancakes, Guinness, uh sounds pretentious, but I love them with caviar. Like that's I that's knew, awesome. I knew that you're gonna <laughs> say that because I had a friend with uh, a Russian grandma that I used to visit as a kid, and she used to always feed us uh, bellinis with uh, fake caviar. It wasn't real caviar was the, the, the oh. fake kind. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> she'd have money. But uh, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Amazing. 
one of the most uh, creative uh, answers to this question in this podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so uh, finally, if folks want to reach out to you to chat about UA, games, marketing, uh, anything, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn, just type in my name and I'm going to be somewhere there. Awesome. And happy to, to have whatever chats possible. Cool. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you here today. Uh, and uh, we'll chat soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jonathan, for having me. That was a pleasure. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, Thanks for listening.